namo tassa bhagavato arahato sambuddhasa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa This evening, I would like to talk about anger. In the beginning, I wanted to talk about 101 ways of overcoming anger, but I thought I'm running into a great risk here. One is I want to be popular. (laughs) Another one is... Maybe most of you will leave the call. <laughs> Nobody will stay here. Maybe the teachers will stay, but I wasn't sure. <laughs> another, th- another risk I was running into is some of you, maybe you have never got angry before. So <laughs> maybe I, I might cause you to be angry. And <laughs> it happens, actually. People say, you know, I never felt fear, but when you talked about it, I think I have fear. <laughs> so, sometimes the talks can stop something, actually. Uh, I was listening to one talk Joseph gave, maybe here. He said that uh, his first teacher, Monindra, was giving a talk on 21 ways of silence, and he gave this talk for three hours. And he said, after three hours, he was ready for silence. <laughs> so I knew maybe you'll be ready for anger, but uh, anyway, so I changed the, top, the, 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 the title, but still I'm going to give a lot, but not 101 ways. So I named my talk Anger 101. <laughs> <laughs> Let us get started, actually. Working with the anger in a very skillful way is very important, not only on cushion, but off cushion. I know most of you will be leaving, probably. And uh, one, of, one of the things you might experience is when you go out in the world, people are going to walk a little bit faster than here. <laughs> That's an understatement. But anyway, you're going to see for yourself. <laughs> I remember when I did this retreat in 99 and I went to Boston, I said, why? What's going on here? After three months, (laughs) I was used to IMS speed. Two kilometers per hour. (laughs) But people are moving a little bit fast there. So anyway, relatives of anger. We have sadness, sorrow. Sorrow, grief, impatience, paranoia, resentment, resistance. I mean, the vocabulary. I mean, I was overwhelmed by the vocabulary English language had, had for anger, actually. So, say, huge vocabulary. It's amazing. I think I listed here annoyed, bitter, enraged, furious, heated, impassionate, indignant. 
irritated, irritable, offended, outraged, resentful, sullen, uptight, maddened, netted. I mean, it's just gone and on. I don't know whether you have experienced that at one time in your life, but I mean, it's a huge piece in our life, anger. So that motivated me to talk about it. The Pali word for anger is, or hatred, is called dosa. It's one of the three unawesome books that cause suffering. Dosa, D-O-S-A. It comes from a root, a Pali root, which is dos, to be displeased. Actually, it's the same root uh, uh, prefix for dukkha, actually. So you can see when you have anger, you have difficulties, you, have, uh, you are displeased, you are already suffering, in other words, uh, when uh, anger arises. Another Pali word is called patiga, which means uh, um, striking against. That's also very, I mean, very common in Buddhism. They use that word, but it's, I think, a stronger degree compared to uh, ill will. So from an uh, ethical point of view, it means resentment, grudge, or rage. So this kind of uh, powerful anger. There's also another Pali word which is called Biapada. It, it's, it's one of the five hindrances. It's uh, translated as ill will. In other words, your will is ill. That's what it means. <laughs> now, <laughs> you need to substitute that with goodwill. That's why you practice metta, actually. So uh, the causes of anger, according to the Buddha, is paying unwise attention to the theme of irritation. Whenever you pay unwise attention to the theme of irritation, anger, resentment is going to arise. Right there, that's the cause. Now, you might think that the cause of Dukkha is another yogi, the cause of anger is another yogi, <laughs> but that's where we find it. It's right there. Now, the solution is to pay wise attention to the theme of non-irritation, like metta, loving kindness. That's why metta is a very powerful antidote to anger. So uh, if you want to overcome anger once and for all, this is what you have to do. Attain the third level of enlightenment. <laughs> Somebody is going to say something and you're just going to smile. <laughs> because you have overcome non-self, there is no self which gets angry. Eh? The reason why we really get angry because there's a set of which you get angry. And in the first level of enlightenment, you have, uh, you, you, there are 21 ways of, I told you, self-identity. I already given a talk about that and uh, Carol gave a talk about that. I think some of us have talked about it. So, you, in the first level of uh, enlightenment, you overcome this uh, uh, thinking that the five aggregates have a self behind them. And if there's nobody getting angry, so people can say something and just go here and go through here. We have already given talks on how to reach the third level of enlightenment. I'm not going to repeat that. So uh, the noble eight, 
eightfold path. That's what you have to follow. And if you're really a person who really get angry about being angry, you actually, once you attain the third level of enlightenment, you actually get rid of anger forever and ever. And that's a good inspiration. So those who are really tormented by this mental state. Now, maybe some of us, we are not there yet <laughs> in the third level of enlightenment. So I'm going to give some of the techniques that can help us really actually to abandon anger in stages. Let us start with uh, how anger rises, actually. The Buddha gave, of course, the cause of anger, but when we see it clearly, there must be a trigger, something triggering us to be angry. It can be environment, it can be, uh, let's say, for instance, weather, it can be another yogi, it can be, there must be something that triggering us. It can be a memory, it can be a thought, so there must be a trigger. And then also, um, anger has three levels, actually. One of it is very deep, the very deep-seated level, actually. It's called anusaya level. It lies on what we call latent level. They are like roots of the tree. You don't see them, but they are there. When you see the tree, <laughs> you think it doesn't have roots because you don't see it by the... You are naked eyes, but actually the roots are there. The same thing, anger lies on a level which called anusaya. I told you anu means along. Saya means to sleep or lie. So there's a something lying under there waiting for a chance to be, to be provoked. As, as soon as you get a provocation, it rises. So it li anger lies on that level. There's also another level where anger really actually uh, manifests is actually what we call obsession level, obsessional level, obsessional stage. That's when you're sitting there and then you start to think about anger, thoughts of anger. So it's really obsessing your mind. So there are methods actually to tackle also that stage, to overcome anger on that level. It builds actually because it's obsessing the mind. There's also another level where, where anger really actually manifests itself that's called transgression level. That's when you talk with anger and you use verbal daggers. That's when you actually even act out of it. So that's what we call transgression stage. Buddha gave those three stages, but also we found out, uh, I mean, in terms of where it's lying, different levels where it's lying, this kind of anger. But also we found out what we call post-transgression level. That's when you have really hit somebody or when I've said something, and then you start having this shame and guilt. Why did I do this? I would have done this. Blah, 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 blah. De -de -de. Meantime, we are feeding in. That then becomes our trigger, you know, post-transgression. Memories come, what we did in the past, and then we have all this guilt, actually. It's a huge piece in our life. Remorse and all this kind of thing. 
In Buddhism, actually, remorse and guilt, there's a difference, slight difference, uh, very uh, fine line. Actually, remorse is a little bit, uh, if you are going to do something about it, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, because then you can rectify the situation. But guilt is a more of a negative state of emotion, a negative emotion. Uh, really, uh, you start hitting yourself. In other words, that's anger directed towards yourself. There's anger directed towards others, like oppression. There's anger directed towards yourself. That's guilt. But remorse, in our, uh, as monastics, we, we have so many rules. So sometimes we may break one rule. And the, uh, the idea of having some remorse is more of a positive way in order to rectify the situation, other than hitting yourself. So there's a fine line, but anyway, that's how far we can go. But you know that there's a, a little bit of difference. Now, those are different levels, and I think I offer solutions based on those levels, and you'll find out what to do. I think what I'm going to do is to give 15 ways of overcoming anger instead of 101. So 101 is here, <laughs> and 15 are here. <laughs> so I really actually... Uh, <laughs> How try to put together this evening because I really want to really to comprehend everything because this is my last talk, so I wanted to give a a, a big dose actually before I leave this place. <laughs> you know, monastics we don't have much to give. All what we have to do is to give dharma. <laughs> but when we give, we get so much enthusiastic, and we give a lot. <laughs> Okay, let us start what happens on a retreat here, right? When we come on a retreat with all good intention, we sign up for a yogi job, we start choosing a yogi job, and all of a sudden, we find out it has been taken. <laughs> that spoils the whole retreat. The, <laughs> the whole of the time we are going to be here, done. <laughs> no hope for happiness. Then the job becomes itself another, or it becomes an obsession. Um, I mean, there are some specific jobs, uh, specific jobs here that really you need to tighten your belt. They really actually trigger a lot of resentment. And for me, I really am very grateful for people who are doing such, such a job. One of it is to clean the bathroom, the toilet. It's not a, it's a job. <laughs> Many other jobs. If you don't have enough mindfulness, it can be an area of resentment. You preferred maybe to cut vegetables. That's what you, you preferred. <laughs> but you ended up with that job, and it stuck with you. And you cannot change it. That's a problem. Can you, by the way? I'm not sure. Can you? <laughs> anyway, at any rate, that's your job. <laughs> Food. Food can be an obsession, um, of course, and then you, they don't cook the food you like. But even when they f cook food you like, sometimes, I'm talking about my experience also, because I wasn't born a monk, I practiced actually a lot. As a lay person, I practiced a lot in India in 1994. Uh, I practiced there, and... Um, Bhavana Society, San Jose. Before I became a monk, I really did a lot of retreats, actually. Even coming here, I used to come here and meditate and fall asleep and all this. I know. 
So some of the things I speak about, not as a monk, as a layperson, but you can understand what I'm saying. Okay, so now I see a yogi who is putting a lot of food on his plate. I say, wow, where is he going to put all this food? <laughs> this is me, actually, as before I, beca I become a monk. So it's really something like it becomes an obsession. Why am I thinking about what people are eating? I mean, it's their food. They're not putting in my stomach. <laughs> in other words, it's their business. Then it becomes an obsession. This time it would happen as a monk when I'm in, in Sri Lanka. I saw one person is putting on white. We call them anagalika. I saw them putting a lot of food. I didn't bother. I said, well, I don't care really, actually. Yes. So I see it now, actually, as a monk in Sri Lanka, but it never bothers me anymore because I know how much I suffered <laughs> just thinking about other people, what they're eating. I mean, it's, it, it's totally useless, actually. It doesn't make any sense, actually. <laughs> Another thing is Dharma talk. Dharma talk also can be a form of resentment if Bante talks about karma and rebirth and all these things, and you don't believe in all those things. It's like Asian mambo-jumbo. Let's ban to talk about mindfulness. We don't want him to talk about this kind of thing. That can be a, a source of resentment. I don't know, but um, um, I went to Burma, actually, to study with Sado Pandita. I mean, it, it was a huge expense, actually. Uh, some people sponsored him as a monk. I uh, was a monk that time. The, Joseph was one of them, and camera master. They paid for my Abhidhamma. Um, Abhidhamma course, and then uh, I had to spend two months at Panditarama. When I went there, I really wanted to practice with Sado Pandita and maybe get enlightened. So I expected Sado Pandita to speak about the four foundation of mindfulness. When I went there, as soon as I reached there, Sado Pandita just told me, please go on a crash course on Vinaya. Vinaya means our monastic rules, actually. I told him, I ordained in your temple in America. I have already done this, this Vinayan. He said, no, you need to do it again. I mean, coming from the airport, it's hot and all that. He told me from the airport that I have to study. Can you imagine <laughs> having traveled a long way from India and all this kind of, and then he's telling me to study. And then, okay, they told me, okay, you go to the center. But in the morning he came, did you study? <laughs> he looked for, uh, for uh, he came up um, uh, during breakfast, and then he said, how are you? Uh, with his stick like this, uh, did you study? <laughs> I said, no, no, there was no time to study. I told him like that. And then when he started giving a Dharma talk, he gave a talk about four, four success, spiritual success. And I've never heard it before, actually. I'm telling you, every time he was giving a talk, he goes on, on and on and on. I say, when is he going to talk about the full foundation of mindfulness? <laughs> One week, two weeks, three weeks. I became very anxious, actually. <laughs> I came away from USA and then in Burma. I just want the real stuff. <laughs> Don't tell me about spiritual form, success and all that. Well, I sailed through the whole talks, but I, later on he touched it at the end. But I saw the very first week how I really wanted this dharma, actually. So this can be an area but, uh, to watch. Okay, weather, next time, uh, I mean, 
those people who are staying here for part two, you may be coming from hot countries. Weather can be uh, an area that can trigger your aversion. So be, be watchful of this, actually. It can, um, I mean, I think most of you are coming from cold places, so you may not have a problem, but weather can really be uh, an obstacle, and then it brings a lot of anger. Another thing is the, unfo the unfolding nature of your practice. When it's not folding the way you want, it can cause a lot of patience, impatience. So that also is an area to watch, especially people also who are staying here. If you start calculating that, okay, you know, now I should be reaching first level, second level of enlightenment, and you haven't reached for some reasons, and you become a patient, <laughs> you might need to watch, actually. Watch closely. Pain is another thing. I, I think we have talked about pain a lot, so I don't need to talk about pain. Okay, let's go to the methods, 15 ways, before we run out of time, actually. So the first method, what I did is actually to integrate what I talked about, right, uh, how to deal with thoughts, because there's also thought of anger. So most of them are similar, so that you don't get lost with all what is here. I really did it deliberately to find some words that really can help you to remember. The first method is called restraining the six senses. You need to restrain your six senses. At the moment of seeing, just be aware of seeing. The moment of hearing, hearing. Not hearing, I don't like it. Seeing, I don't like it. And it's very common in a retreat here. You are sitting here and you're eating some, you are sitting in front of somebody and maybe you look at their hairdo <laughs> and the t-shirt with a slogan. And then it can create a lot of anger. Instead of really getting angry, you can just keep on noting, seeing, 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 seeing. That will help you a lot. And if unpleasant feeling arises, just become aware of unpleasant, unpleasant, unpleasant. If you skip that, it's going to be seeing, I don't like it. I don't like the t-shirt they're putting on. I mean, this is amazing when the mind settles. <laughs> it creates so many things. I mean, for me, the most amazing thing I've really experienced is the mind. When I was at uh, um, IMS here, I used to have a caption, I think, on my desk, and even on my voice mail. I used to say, I'm, I'm exploring the mysteries of mind. I'm exploring the mysteries of mind because the mind is so mysterious. Sometimes it brings thoughts. I don't know where they come from. Is that familiar to you? It just pops out from nowhere. I mean, with all our good intentions, actually. We are, we are good yogis, actually. We have good intentions. But have you experienced a thought popping from nowhere? It's just amazing for me. So you, you keep guarding your mind like that. You guard it so that at least it's not uh, um, uh, tormented by any of this uh, anger or something like that. So um, I think we have already gave, got instruction about Bahia. 
many teachers have talked about this instruction. I don't have to talk more about this. But I just want to warn you, if you don't not, you, do, you don't become mindful at the sixth sense, I mean sixth door, sense door. What will happen is every time you think about that person, you get angry, the, the, you see them, you get angry. I mean, you, you, you are walking close to them, you get angry. So you are really getting angry many, many times. You are just, you are just multiplying your anger, you know, if you are not mindful uh, at the sixth sense door. So keep on vigilant. Be, be, be vigilant every time you are walking. Uh, and then you see a beautiful flower, you just seeing. And then something happened, then uh, that, uh, that, uh, there's a sound, loud sound, hearing and you try to stop there. That's more a way to prevent anger from arising. But anyway, it's going to arise. Even with that kind of practice, if you, haven't yet, you are not yet enlightened, it's going to happen. It's going to arise. So now that brings us to second uh, method. If anger arises, what are you going to do? Are you going to freak out that I don't like to be angry? Most people say, I don't want to be angry. Is, is that going to solve the problem? If you don't want to get angry, no, that, that doesn't solve the problem. So there's a method that is going to help you is recognition. As soon as anger rises, recognize anger as soon as it rises. Don't lie around. Just at the moment when it arises, just recognize it. That means be mindful of it. Make anger the subject of your meditation. Make anger the subject of your meditation. Now, when you make anger the subject of meditation, it's very, very interesting, actually, that how anger can subside. If you know how the mind works, you can see how actually anger can be uh, overcome. Minds from Buddhist psychology, it takes one object at a time. One object at a time. Now, when anger rises, two things happen. One is the object of anger. Another one is the anger in, in your mind. In other words, your chitta, mind, and chitta sika, that's anger, mental state. So your mind associated with anger, that mental state, it's right here. Right? So now the trigger is, it might be external, it's there. So that's the object of anger. So now if you focus your awareness on anger here, the mind state itself, then the object of anger will be out of picture. And then you'll be with anger itself. But the problem again and again, whenever anger arises, we just go for the object of anger. Is that familiar with you? We always go to the object of anger. And when we do that, we leave anger scot-free, and then we actually get more angry when we, we fix it on the object of anger. Give you an example. Let's say you have a car. You have a car. You parked it somewhere. You left your money, passports, all these things. And then you went somewhere to eat something buy something. And then when you come back, you find your car is on fire. 
raging on fire. Passport there, all the money is there. Your keys to your home is there. Everything is there. Credit cards and all the things. Now, <laughs> this is very serious, actually. You, the person who has set fire is right there. <laughs> as soon as you reach the car, that person will start running very fast. Now, you start running after that person. <laughs> you run after the for one mile, two miles, five miles, trying to catch that person, right? While your car is <laughs> on fire. <laughs> now, two things which uh, that are going to happen. One, you catch that person. Say, why did you burn my car? Didn't you know that? Didn't you know that I had money? Thousand dollars I left in my car and all these things. Why are you? Why did you burn my car? He maybe he will give you or she will give you a reason, and then okay, you say okay, let me go back to my car, and you find everything is gone. Now that's also actually it's okay, little bit of cat list you caught the person, but there's another possibility. That you run after that person and you don't catch that person, and then you have lost both. <laughs> You've lost your money. By the time you come back, the money's gone, the car's kaput, <laughs> and then you have not caught the person, so you have double suffering. We, we call it double dukkha. Is that wise approaching life? I think the wisest person would just forget about the source of anger and just put away the fire, get a bucket of sand and put on, on, on a car which is burning and all that. But I'm telling you again and again, I've seen it in my experience, I've seen it with my friends, always they just look for somebody who set fire. That's my experience. And guess what? By the time they come to their car, which is the mind, all the peace of mind is burned. Uh, many, many things are burnt. So, I encourage you to distinguish between the two things. The object of anger and anger itself as a mind state. And what's your best approach? Is actually your first number. Th number one approach is always to deal with anger in your mind. Now, when you do that, there are many, many possibilities actually. We are going to see one possibility when we go to the, I think, the third stage. But let me tell you one thing when you're meditating here, because I want to put it down to the practice. Uh, when you, once you focus on anger, what will happen is that you are going to see the nature of anger. And I'm going to show, uh, show you actually very soon. Uh, but also you want to be very careful to watch moments when anger is ri rising, is passing away. And also you want to watch the moments when there's that anger is absent. When the, that, there's a, there are moments when there's no anger. And those are very, very good moments for us to compare when we are free from anger 
and when we, caught in, we are caught up in anger. Because it's those moments of freedom that we are going to feel gladness, joy, and um, calmness, and uh, happiness, and then concentration. Concentration can arise by actually watching those moments when there's no anger, there's freedom. Because once we have freedom, because as we know that anger is a very tome, uh, is a tormenting mind state, it does us a lot of energy and all this. But once we are free from it, we feel so much relief. And that relief can bring some kind of gladness. In Pali, it's called pamoja. Pamoja. And then from that gladness, you go to uh, joy, which is pity. Then you go to pasadi, which is the calmness and tranquility. Then you go to sukha, which is happiness. And then you can gain also samadhi, which is concentration. That's the practice you want to use here on a cushion or in their life. So that you watch those moments when there is no anger. Now, we go to the third, third, <coughs> third method. It's called responding. We want to respond to anger but not react. There's a difference between reacting and responding. Reaction is more irrational, involuntarily, and it's more autopilot, acting on autopilot. While responding is more rational, is, is uh, voluntarily, you really deliberately be aware when anger is arising. You accept. You don't, uh, in, in other words, you have what we call wise acceptance or what we call right attitude, right attitude. So you develop, you develop right attitude, attitude when anger arises. Instead of suppressing it or repressing it, even expressing it, all those are reactions. Like repressing it and, express, uh, and uh, suppressing it is aversion. Expressing it is more of indulging in it. And ignoring it also is not a good strategy. So it's very, very important to try to dissolve, dissolve anger. What we are doing is not suppressing, but we are trying to dissolve anger through understanding. So the key is to take responsibility of your anger. Don't be irresponsible. You have to be responsible for the arising of anger. This way of responding, actually, it's very, very, very important. If you look at how websites work, this is, I think, most of you have a computer. This is how websites work. <laughs> you can react or respond this way. Okay. You go to your computer and you put www.anger.com. What will happen? the web page will open and you're going to see the address of anger, what, what makes you angry and all these things. So that's more of responding, not adding anything. <laughs> www.anger.com. Got it? Reaction. www.anger.com. Why am I angry? Uh, when is anger going to go? Uh, who, who caused me anger? So if you type all those things, what will happen in one line? I mean, as soon as... In fact, what is very interesting in terms of uh, that website, if you just even put a dot, like www.anger.com and put a dot after com or org, it just gets stuck. So even computers, <laughs> they do this actually. It's amazing. <laughs> 
So we human beings, uh, when anger arises, don't react, don't re suppress, don't even express. <laughs> because some people say that when you express anger, when somebody made you, make you anger, go on and hit them. I've seen people using this strategy. <laughs> you tell them, oh, I'm angry with that person. They ask you, uh, what happened? Oh, yes, they are there. They say, don't you have hands? <laughs> so this can happen. I don't know about this country, but I've been in many countries, I think over 50 countries. I've seen these things. I've been traveling. I've seen people hitting each other, actually, because they're angry. That's how they express anger. But for me, I know from a, a meditation point of view, is actually if you hit somebody, you get more angry. Anger just keeps on going. So even expressing doesn't work, unfortunately. Even when you say, okay, now I'm going to hit pillows, you know, and you just waste your energy hitting pillows and boxing pillows because somebody get... If somebody get, give you that advice, you know that they're looking for money because you get angry. <laughs> And you go back to ask advice how to, to do that. <laughs> There's some school of thoughts actually which tell you to do that. I'm really, it's not just making up. Go on a roof. When you get angry, go on a roof and shout on the top of the roof, then you have 10 kilograms of anger. When you shout, it will go through your nose and you will never have any anger. My idea, come and meditate. You overcome it. The fourth method, reinvestigation of anger. You reinvestigate. You cut out investigation. You don't need to come to be a, to be a, a private investigator, but you can actually really cut out a few investigations here, what's going on in your body. We investigate in a body because the body is a biofeedback. It tells you what's going on. And I must tell you the real issues are in the tissues. I'm telling you. If we know that, we start. This is a good start. When anger rises, you want to watch out whether it is your, your heart is pumping faster, pressure, heat, tension in the body, jaws, sweat, sweating, trembling, clinching jaws. Go. <laughs> we can go on and on. As I told you, I've given you some kind of... Uh, some clues, actually, basically. <laughs> so once you do that, then you are with anger. You are not with the object of anger. You are with the anger itself, actually, because you can see it, its effects. So that next time when it comes, you can actually tell, oh, this is coming. Oh, you can tell because at least you know the signs, you know? So, but if you always deal with the object of anger, you, you miss the boat. You, you cannot even feel these signs. So it's very, very important. Also, find out how anger affects your mind. 
Sometimes when you have anger, there's uh, rationalization, there's guilt, there's shame, frustration, fear, humiliation, rejection. So you want to see how anger affects your mind. It's very, very important. So the practice then in, in, is given the foundation of mindfulness is, mindfulness is to be mindful of the conditions that lead to the arising of uh, anger. And I've given you already that one of the conditions is uh, paying unwise attention to the theme of irritation. So that's the condition. And the condition for the removal is, of course, paying wise attention to meta loving kindness. That's a condition, for, a condition for the removal of anger. And the condition for the non-arising in the future, I told you already, is reaching the third level of enlightenment. It will never come again. Even if you want it to come again, sorry, <laughs> it will never come. <laughs> Probably you'll miss it because when you have anger, you, sometimes it gives some kind of strength, you know. Yeah, so uh, this is the foundation of mindfulness. These are the instructions we have, right? Then another investigation you want to do is mindfulness of the rising and the passing of anger, the unsatisfactory nature of anger, the selfless nature of anger. So all these things you can investigate. We go to number five. I think we have already done this. Guy gave a wonderful talk about hindrances, so you know how to overcome anger. Let's go to the fifth. The fifth method is called releasing. Releasing. You release anger. You let go anger. Don't hold on to anger. You don't want to lease space, more space for anger, because most of the time, now I'm playing with words now, releasing, leasing. When you lease, that means you, you hire something and you get more space. So most people, what they do, they lease <laughs> more space, okay, big space, like a big apartment, they give it to anger. I've donated you right there. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> you don't want to release space, more space for anger. You want to release, release, that means to let go. That means, I've already told you about to do this, it's more of a depersonalization process. It's a depersonalization process where you just become aware that anger is not my, mine, not I, not myself. Because if you say that anger is I, that's conceit. If you say it's mine, that's craving. If you say myself, anger is a self, that's wrong views. So you want to release. If you release, you feel real ease. I'm playing with words now. If you release, you feel real ease. <laughs> and you feel peace. But if you don't, you feel dis-ease. And that's disease. And it can turn out to, to be dizzy. You feel dizzy when <laughs> you have a lot of anger. You don't want that to happen. Anyway, at any rate, you don't want to have copyrights of anger. That's what I mean. Most people, when they have anger, they have copyrights. They say, this is my anger. Nobody should take it. I've seen people saying like this. Oh, please practice forgiveness. No, 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 no. Many, many people have copyrights. (laughs) 
don't uh, they, they they said maybe don't in, uh, kind of infringe on these copyrights. You know, they have patents. So, so I mean, there's a lot of things people are doing with their anger. So now let's go to the six methods. Six method is replacement. Replacement is a substitution substitution method. You substitute the um, mental state anger with wholesome states of mind. One of them is meta. You've been doing this all the time. Another one, you substitute anger with compassion. You substitute anger with appreciative joy, with gratitude, katanyota, because that's a Pali word, katanyota, because ingratitude is a good sign of anger. Always whining about this, about weather, cushions, and this and that. And, I mean, human beings are amazing. <laughs> Again, that's the mind. It just keeps on finding something to really complain about. Equanimity is another way to substitute. Patience is another way to substitute with anger. Even the Buddha said that hatred never ceases by hatred. Hatred ceases by love alone, which is metta. This is an eternal law. What's very interesting, for me, I like this quote from the Dhammapada, is that the Buddha didn't say this is a Buddhist law. <laughs> he said it's an eternal law. So we need to substitute loving kindness. If you have anger, you substitute with loving kindness. Number seven, reflection method. It's re reflection. You reflect. This is more of really trying to peep in the future what will happen when you have anger. It's really actually really focusing on what will happen in the future when anger rises. I mean, when, when anger is raging, you want to reflect on three things. They are called three Ds. You remember these three Ds. One is danger, another one degradation, another one defilement. Right? So in terms of danger, you will know for yourself, even when you write the word danger, there's one D there. If you have anger, it's only one missing one letter, which is D, to make it danger. You can see for yourself. It's right there. Anger, there's no D. If you put a D before anger, it will be danger. No wonder the Pali word is dosa. Because dosa, it means actually it's really displeased. It's badly. It's, it's difficult. So you can remember that. And in fact... In uh, Buddhist psychology, the function of anger is to burn. It burns its support. So it's really actually a very hot mental state. And unfortunately, most people want to hold on to it. It's like when giving Joseph's analogies, people, when they have something hot, they hold on to it like this. Really, when this is hot, uh, people hold on to it as soon as they... They hold like this, and then they drop immediately because it's hot. That's the experience. But when it comes to mind state, people hold on to it. This is my anger. Drop it. No, 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 I can't drop it. It burns the hand. It burns the body and all these things. So this is very, very important to uh, re reflect on danger. Degradation, degradation of anger in the present life, if you, are, you have anger, 
like you fly off the handle a lot. So really, actually, um, it really lowers your status. Not, pe not, not many people want to associate with you, actually. So uh, you can reflect along those lines. Also, it defiles the mind. Whenever you have anger, it creates more opportunities. It really actually creates more strength so that next time when anger rises, it's even more. Like if, let's say, you have 10% anger and you give in, next time when you have anger, it will be like 20%. I'm just giving some figures so that you know that every time you give in, even to other mental states, the next time it becomes easier. <laughs> to, 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 to do, uh, to arise. It's like you go into your place from here, you go to Barry, next time it becomes easier. You don't have to look for signs. So the same thing, if you really give in anger to come, next time it will just come in faster, even more intense. So you focus on that, how it defiles the mind. Another beautiful reflection, is, I like this very, very much, is next time you get angry, you start asking yourself, in terms of five aggregates. Am I angry with the form, feelings, perception, mental formations, uh, consciousness? This is given in Visuddhimagga, the path of purification. So you ask yourself if somebody make you angry. You say, am I angry with their nose? Am I angry with their hair? So you can go, keep on going. Actually, there are 32 parts of the body. So you can keep on going. Am I angry with their no nails? Guess what? You will never find a single thing. If you go through that list, you cannot find anything. So it's a wonderful reflection, actually. And also, of course, it keeps, you get a break. <laughs> Once you do this, you actually get kind of a break you know, from uh, the, this tormenting mind state. You can reflect on love karma, yourself and others, but uh, I think there's not enough time to talk about. Let's go to number eight, redirection method. You redirect your mind to the breath. You breathe in longer, slow, long breath. Can you try that? Breathe in with me. Every time you get anger, take a deep, slow breath. Right now, you can feel a calming effect. It really calms you. The breath has a, a physiological and a psychological effect on your nervous system. So it really comes because once you're, you're angry, usually we are heated. We heat. We really get overheated. So you need some kind of cool effects of the breath. So you can come back to the body and watch the sitting touching points. When you have anger, come to the body. Be aware of this body sitting. So the, the, you feel this body sitting. And then so the touch points the foot, the uh, ankle, and uh, everywhere there's touch points. You connect yourself with the body. Because most of the time when you're angry, we go into much in the mind. So come to the body. It's always available for you there. And when you breathe, actually, make sure that you breathe from the diaphragm. Because when you're angry, usually the breath comes from the diaphragm, here, 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 and before, like this. You breathe like a dog. So you need actually to remember how babies breathe. You know babies, they breathe from the diaphragm. Really full breath so that you have more oxygen available to your brain. So then another thing that is going to help you is to count from 1 to 10. 
And so just to get to be, uh, to, to, if you want even, you can count to one to, from one to 1,000. Uh, it will take care of your anger. If you can count from one to 100, 1,000 or 1 million, I'm telling you, come bante, I don't say any anger. Because you really get involved in the, in the exercise. This is actually scientific evidence that when, when anger, uh, when you're angry, the brain uh, becomes flooded with chemicals such as adrenaline that short circuits and interfere with the parts of the brain that affect judgment, reasoning, and logic. Specific parts of the brain become smaller and less biochemically active. Hence, the wisdom of counting. Because when you count, then at least uh, things come to normal, and then you can think, and you, can have, you have more understanding. You, you, are, you become calm and peaceful. So the more, if you can count, that will be good. Number nine, retracing methods. I, I, I think when I gave a talk on the thought, thoughts, uh, how to deal with thoughts, I mentioned this, but I can go over it. So you retrace your, I think I, I have time, let me not skip this, it's juicy. So there's something that I was skipping because I was looking at the time and that I don't want to exceed time, you know. I don't want to have a bad reputation, actually. <laughs> I want to really stop on time. <laughs> right. So uh, there's another way of actually uh, what we call um, re redirection. This is a very, very important, I think, maybe even after you leave here. It's given in Agatha Vinaya Sutta, Vinaya Sutta in Anguttara Nikaya. There are five ways of redirecting your mind by focusing only on positive aspects and ignore the negative aspects. That means you divide a human being into three. Action, their actions, their, I mean physical behaviors, verbal behaviors, and mental behaviors. So you divide the people, mentally, you really divide the person in like that. Now, the first one, if anger arises, a lot of hatred arising for somebody who has bad physical behaviors, but good verbal behaviors, you only focus on good behaviors, not the bad behaviors. Because it, it happens. I mean, we, we live with somebody and one day they don't put, uh, take the trash on Monday or Wednesday, and then we blow it out of proportion. Out, out of proportion. They have done 100 things, There's, they have given you coffee at the right time. Honey, take some coffee. And just, I mean, they have done 100 things, but one day they do one thing which is not good. You actually separate. It, I've seen actually people really separating. <laughs> they go and live in another apartment and all the things. One thing, you just need only one thing. That's another thing that I don't understand, actually. Up to now, I don't understand it because I've really seen it. I've experienced it. I've counted how many good things I've done for people. I just don't do one thing out of the window. <laughs> That's a mystery. It's a puzzle corner for me why human beings are do, doing that. But if we remember this, actually, uh, technique, we can always focus on good things and ignore the bad things. Another thing, in the second one, 
Oh, the, the physical behaviors are good, but verbal behaviors. In other words, they keep you a cup of tea, but after that, they say something nasty. <laughs> where did you, I don't, <laughs> where did you do your hair, actually? <laughs> Some, something of that sort. So the instruction then is to focus on the good behaviors. The third one, physical behavior bad, verbal behavior not good, bad, but mentally they get some clarity. That's like, like a yogi, you know? They've been meditating for a long time here, so sometimes the mind's clear, you know? So you're going to get those people at home, you know? Sometimes the mind is a little bit clear, but you know, both physical and verbal is unacceptable for you, to you. So at that time, then you focus on the mental. Then the fourth one is a challenge. Physical behavior bad, verbal behavior is bad, mental behavior is bad, and you live together. You are stuck, in other words. <laughs> you, you are married. I mean, we can, we, we can get stuck, actually. Even if a monk is not a guarantee for us, so, so we have to get stuck with our students, our teachers. <laughs> <laughs> Don't think we are sheltered. <laughs> I hope you'll give me five minutes in your time because this is very interesting, actually. You have to focus on compassion. You cultivate compassion. Because when somebody is sick, so you need to call that person sick, not that you take them to the hospital and a, a psychiatrist. No, no, no. You have to consider them as a sick person. And what do you do with the sick person? Do you kick them around and all that? No. You give them medicine. So you need to give that person medicine of Dharma. You need to teach them. You need to buy them a book, maybe about anger and all that. <laughs> okay, the, th the fifth one is uh, somebody's good, good behaviors, verbal, physical, and mental, then the practice is to rejoice in their good behaviors. Not to envy them. You have to rejoice. That's called modita, appreciative joy. Okay, retracing. I mean, yes, uh, that's number nine before we run out of time. So retracing method, then you have to go to the cause, the root cause, the, the springboard. Why, where is this anger always coming from? I want to be a good person, but always I'm angry. So you retrace, going backwards. Oh, it's because I want to push away things. I told you that anger is bipolar. One, one is it's like desire to put, I mean, I, say, I told you last time that desire is, is bipolar. One is to get something, another one is to get rid of. So anytime you have anger, check yourself. Are you trying to get rid of something? There's always something we are trying to get rid of. Yeah, so try to check that. Then uh, where does that desire to push away things come from? It comes from ignorance, ignoring. And where does ignorance come from? It comes from paying anyone's attention or even taints. And where does taints, taints come from? It, it, they come from ignorance. This is like a chicken and egg story. So you can, uh, might as well stop there. But at least it helps you to go backwards to see the spring boards. The tenth one is re resolution. You make a, a determination 
This is more of willpower, not anger to be your master. That's number 10. You resolve. Uh, you make realistic resolutions. Like uh, every time you wake up when your mind is still fresh, say, okay, today I'm not going to get angry. You will get angry, but you remember the techniques, how to get rid of it. Number 11, write speech solutions. You have, of course, to speak the truth and speak gently and harmonious, harmoniously and in a meaning, meaningful way. Do not speak in a harsh way. Otherwise, people will retaliate. They will come against you. So don't use verbal daggers. Modern communication skills are very helpful, like nonviolence communication. These things I learned here when I was on the staff, actually. Some of it I learned from here. One is honey first, vinegar later. If, let's say, you're communicating and you're raging, you're angry and all these things, the communication you're going to use is honey first, vinegar later. In other words, I like your hairdo, but really I noticed that you didn't give me a cup of tea. <laughs> that can help. Another one is called sandwich communication. I really like that you have a wonderful hairdo today, <laughs> but you didn't give me a cup of, of coffee, but I like the way you cleaned the bedroom. It's beautiful. <laughs> so like a sandwich, you put the bad thing in the middle. I like that. Another one is saving, saving face communication. If, let's say, uh, you come to me, because me, I know these management techniques, anger management techniques, so I know what to do. If, let's say, I saw you breaking silence, noble silence, I would say, perhaps you didn't know that this retweet is a <laughs> face saving communication. Perhaps maybe you didn't know that we have <laughs> this road is closed. <laughs> but if so, don't come here. It's closed. Anger. So use face-saving communication. Another one is iMessage, which I shall learn here. They used to bring a, a communication expert here. You say, when I heard you speaking like this, I felt discouraged. Always is about I. So then we allow ourselves to communicate feelings instead of anger. Always we communicate anger. We haven't learned how to communicate feelings. The feeling is that it's unpleasant. But when we come to communicate, don't do this. You don't do this. It's always you, 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 you. So this is very, very important communication. Another one is, I think we are running out of time, but I'm about to finish. Right action solutions. That means absent from killing. Give a gift. That's what I want to mention. Give a gift. But when you're giving a gift, make sure you're not abandoning. Because most of the people, what they're doing, they're abandoning. They're abandoning clothes they don't want, and that's what they give. No, you shouldn't do that. Give a gift that you really like. And also receive gifts. Be, always be willing to give, get a gift when somebody may be annoyed you and send a gift. Don't put it and mail it back to them. Not a good idea. And put, uh, when you give, you, you give a gift, put in, I think right on that gift, everything is a nature. Everything is changing. Once they get that gift, I think they will remember that at one time anger will go away. But the gift helps a lot. Uh, then another one is actually, uh, number 13 is renunciation of resentment, what people call forgiveness. I've already talked about forgiveness. I'm not going to go over it now. We, are, we have run out of time already. So I've already talked about forgiveness, right? 
renunciation of resentment. Forgiveness is not approval. It's not really actually being weak, but actually is reclaiming your strength, your strength actually. Most people are afraid of forgiving because they think it's about forgetting. Forgiving and forgetting is not the same thing. I've already talked about this. Let me go to the fourth, 14th one is reconciliation. Reconcili reconciliation is actually going beyond forgiveness because forgiveness is about words and you do it for yourself as a self-gift because you can do it even when others know that you are forgiving them or not, that's another thing. But you, if you do it, you feel relief actually. So it's more of one yourself actually for letting go of the resentment. People may not know that you have even forgiven them, but if you can, Face them and tell, uh, ask for pardon or sorry and all these things. But reconciliation is very deep. You need to reestablish relationship, restore your relationships. The fifteenth one, the last one, is repeating those fourteen ones. If you repeat those fourteen, please come to me. The anger will be gone, <laughs> guarantee. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. Let us sit for a moment or two. Tupamaya sabbe sam satanam so tuka kamato pasitwa kamato metta sabbasate subhavaye. Having seen that all beings like oneself have a desire for happiness, one who develops loving kindness for all beings. Whew. <laughs> I didn't know that I'll finish this actually. <laughs> so, thank you very much. I hope this helps for those who are staying and who are going. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you. Sadu means excellent. Thank you. When they give a talk, always people say Sadu, Sadu, Sadu. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.